Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where we are featuring December 15th, 1994, from Ooh. the Los Angeles Sports Arena in Los Angeles, California. I am your co-host, The Game, here with my fellow co-host, Snob and Fig. Let's go ahead and give them an old O.J. Simpson speeding down the L.A. freeway. Hello, friends. What? Is that what West L.A. fadeaways about? Oh, yes, it is. Wow. I had no idea. Well, hello, friends. <laughs> uh, I don't know why OJ came into my mind when I started thinking about LA, but oh, I thought well, him was running in the Bronco. What year is our is our show we're listening to from? Nineteen ninety four. And when did when did OJ do his? I think OJ had done nineteen ninety four. Did was it ninety four? Was he running yeah. in ninety four? Yeah, I hate that I know this off the top of my head, but it's because they did a fish show that same day. Um, huh. It's June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. See, it wasn't that far apart. You're right? No, I I was commending you for a very well put together joke. Ah. Wait, what did fish play in L.A. or it's just like oh, the fish played? They played a show that day, and the chase started happening during the set break, and the band backstage watched the video or like the footage on the news. Uh, and then they came out, and they just kept referencing OJ during the set, and no one in the audience had any idea what the hell was going on, because it was 1994, and no one had cell phones or anything like that, back wasn't, in the good old days. Wasn't there, like, a major, like, Phil Lesh concert on? Uh, wait, no, so not, Phil, the, not Phil Lesh. The Grateful Who, Dead were playing on June 17th, 1994. Um, wow. John, not yeah. Phil Lesh, John Tesh. Is that the name? Yes. No, John Tesh is on Entertainment Tonight. No, he's an American pianist and composer. <laughs> I, I like it because you got is to the Wikipedia article at the exact point that I got to the Wikipedia article. <laughs> yes. uh, John Tesh, 1994. OJ. He wrote the NBA on NBC basketball theme, Round <laughs> oh, Ball Rock. There's a funny SNL sketch about John Tesh doing that. John Tesh, live at Red Rocks, 1995. See, our our paths are crossing right now. <laughs> That's 1995. Why are we talking? Is this a Tesh pod? Yes, this is a Tesh pod and an OJ pod. It's an everything pod. Uh, I guess, uh, starting the show correctly, we are once again featuring December 15th, 1994, at the LA Sports Arena in Los Ooh. Angeles, California. But before we dive into that hot, main event of a show we are going to kick off our wild and wonderful channel 6 news segment and we only have one item on the docket this week however it is a celebratory item as there is someone or something turning 45 years old is it Fig? Soon. <laughs> fig, fig feels 45 at times. No, it is not Fig. It is Shakedown Street, the album. Um, it was released wow. um, November 15th, 1978. Um, and it was recorded between July 31st and August 18th, 1978. So uh, a fairly quick turnaround. 
um, from recording time to release. Um, A a short album as well. Only 39 minutes uh, and four seconds in total length. uh, Five tracks per side. Uh, And a quick rundown of that album is as follows. Track one kicked off with Good Lovin'. Then we got France, uh, the very disco Shakedown Street, uh, Serengeti, and then side one ended with Fire on the Mountain. Uh, Side two gave us I Need a Miracle and From the Heart of Me, a Staggerly, all new Minglewood Blues, and If I Had the World to Give. Um, I know... uh, we don't normally review shows in our channel six or, or albums in albums. our channel six news segment, rather. Uh, but I believe um, Fig gave us all some homework today uh, to see if we could uh, fit this. Uh, 45 year old Fig. Yes, to see if we could fit a quick listen in um, on this um, album. And I know I did. Um, thoughts from Fig or Knob on Shakedown Street, the album? I'll jump in with some. Since uh, Nob is writing something on the little show sheet here, <laughs> it's not my 45th birthday. Um, I'll jump in. I really like this album. I like it a lot. I don't think it's well produced. I don't think it sounds excellent. And for some reason, um, my brother gave me these uh, like bookshelf speakers, like studio quality speakers, and the album sounded terrible on these speakers. Like it was all bass. I don't know if I have to fiddle mm. around with stuff. I don't really know what I'm doing. However, uh, I listened to it, and um, the songs are great. Uh, the sound's not so great. But um, I love France. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, I am a huge, wow. huge France head. Wow. Uh, this, is, this is a song for the audience that, that, who may not know. is a song that only appears on this album. The band never tried it live. It is a Mickey Hart, Robert Hunter, Bobby Weir production. And it's Bobby and Donna just crooning together and and they sing very well together and it's the the thing that gets me for france is there's some catchiness to it it sounds a little exotic um but the the rhythms the polyrhythms that are going on i don't know what is happening i don't know how to follow the song it always makes my ears like uh it always tricks my ears and it just really it, it gets my goat is france um i know that that's maybe that's probably my biggest uh, Shakedown Street hot take. Um, that's about it. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about my France mm. fandom. Yeah, my France-dom. I I was listening to France earlier with these kind of thoughts in mind, considering that France is is widely regarded by Deadheads to be one of the weaker efforts of yeah. the band. Yeah, I like, think like universally. I think it is better than people say it is, but like not much. I'm not a huge <laughs> France head. It's the thing with France is it it just really doesn't I don't know. It doesn't sound like the dead. Hey. Besides the the Bobby and Donna harmonies, nothing here sounds like what I come to the Grateful Dead for. It sounds a little too yacht rocky. Um, and I know that's a common criticism of the song, but it it's true. It it just is a little too mellow to quite do anything that like really wows me, but it's not a bad song. I will definitely say it is better than people give it credit for, but I would not uh, join you in Francedom. No Francedom. Game no Francedom? Um, yeah, your name. Peter Francedom. Francedom comes uh, alive. Nice. I mean, 
Nice. I'm indifferent diff- on France. Uh, I will agree with you, though, on some of the recording quality, um, but not for everything. Like, I think Shakedown Street was very well produced, oh, yeah. the, 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 the studio version. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't... I think it's. I think it was from the heart of me, or maybe it was France, uh, but I think it was from the heart of me because Donna on lead vocals. Um, it was just great, muddy. Great song, by the way. It was excellent, yeah. excellent song. Action but she, song. she was so hard to hear. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like it was really like yeah. cranking it up to have her come through. And I'm like, I know my car speakers, like, while they're shit, they're not that shit. Like, just like way buried in the mix. So, yeah. um, not every song, uh, but a lot of them. Yeah. I've also never been huge on the studio version of Good Lovin'. To me, it really lacks the oomph and energy that you want yeah. out of this song. Especially um, for an opener, an album opener. Ex- yes. It's always... Also, this album is just tracked weird. Yeah. I do not know what the right order is for these songs, but I know that New Minglewood Blues is not second to last. Mm. Um, and I know Good Lovin' is not the opener. Um, but no, mm. there are a lot of songs that I think sound quite good. Shakedown Street. I like the Fire on the Mountain studio version. I like um, Jerry's I solo a... on Fire on the Mountain. Yeah. Like it is, it's yeah. just, it just, it just does it. It just does it for me. I agree. Um, I think I need a miracle. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Miracle, a lot of I like. Monica I also... on this album. You know, for, for a Disco Dead album, right? Um, yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm in quotations. You can't see that. But for a Disco Dead album, there's a lot of harmonica. And I think that was the one producer from Little Feet, if I'm correct. Uh, uh, no. Lowell, Lowell George. George was not, a, not much of a he harmonica didn't, he didn't player. The... So who did the harmonica? Matt Kelly. Oh. Yes, uh, of getting punched in the balls by I was going to say <laughs> of of King uh, Kreutzmann punched him in the balls. Oh, Kreutzmann, um, Mickey threw drumsticks at him during <laughs> the Nassau Excuse show. Me. Previously on the Help Very on the Way podcast, <laughs> as everybody knows, um, I will say Serengeti is a letdown. That is a uh, Hart and Kreutzmann, inst- you know. Uh, Rhythm Devil's instrumental, and it's just very, just like, just chugs along and doesn't do it's, anything. It's, it's in and out. It's um, yeah, like mm-hmm. I I listened to it today, the whole thing while driving, and I even had to like, because I remember seeing Serengeti on the track list. Yeah, but I was like, like, what is that? I'm like, did I hear Serengeti? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> kind of like, snuck in back. there. Yeah, I went Maybe back. And a, I'm like, oh, there it is. Maybe it's a prelude to fire. Maybe that's the idea there. If um, if drums in space were the length of Serengeti, I would never miss. <laughs> I would never miss one. Never miss one. <laughs> and if they went into fire in the mountain, um, the last thing I'll say is if I had the world to give, there's a quality song, Garcia Hunter. Um, in my opinion, this is, it sounds like a, and I'm not, not knocking this. Uh, it sounds like a George Harrison song, like just like the chord mm. changes, the general I can hear that. flow of the song. Um, I like that you had to clarify themes. that you're not knocking it because you well, are a known George hater. I, I kind of am <laughs> always, always having Beatles lover, George hater. Um, 
yeah, I, I know Nob feels differently about that. However, um, if I had the world to it, give, no. is is it's good George Harrison. It's good George Harrison. Moving on to our main, <laughs> moving on to our main event of the evening, December fifteenth, nineteen ninety four, L.A. Sports Arena in Los Angeles, California. Um, let's just go right into set number one. Set one kicked off with a shakedown street into Wang Dang Doodle, Lazy River Road, me and my uncle into Mexicali Blues, Row Jimmy, and then it wrapped up with the Promised Land. Fig, what were your thoughts on set numero uno? Nice. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, man. that's yeah, a little Espanol for our listeners. Um, my thoughts are that I need to stop eating popcorn because it's very hard to podcast and eat popcorn at the same time. Um, this is a soundboard recording. I was listening to the Charlie Miller 24-bit. Why did I pick the 24-bit? Because it's a higher number. And that's the extent of my knowledge about why I picked the 24-bit. Um, but that's accessible on the archive, and there's a bunch of other sources as well. Mm. Shakedown. Excellent version of Shakedown. All the musicians come out swinging, and it... it it immediately made me do that thing where my head is bopping to a different rhythm than the rest of my body. So my legs mm -hmm. are doing one thing, my head is nodding a different way. For me, that's how I know when the Grateful Dead are on, and they were on right away. Pretty yeah. long version of Shakedown Street, uh, because there's just you know a long outro jam, which doesn't really go anywhere, but it was fun as hell, and I could see myself in the crowd in, in December of 94, and, and I could have gone. I was of an age um, that I would have had to be a chaperoned, but uh, that could have happened um, just because uh, my age is, is now uh, part of the podcast. Um, <laughs> however, um, you would have been, what, 30 in 1994? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to bring the kids in 94. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as fun for me, but they would have loved it. You do a lot for you guys. You have to sacrifice, you know. Wait, this hot um, new place called Starbucks for the very first time. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could see it being fun as hell being in the crowd in December of '94. And again, it's '94. You don't know what you're going to get, and the band sounds great. You know, just party. It's fun. It's 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 what it's all about. We get into Wang Dang Doodle again. Lots of fun. Rhythm Devils have a great backbeat on this one. Phil is all over the place with this kind of slinky little bass, kind of uh, cheeky bass playing there. Uh, Vince's solo remind me of Raymond Zarek. Um, I like I like Wang Dang Doodle. Um, usually that's not one I, I, I rate that highly, but this was fun. Just very fun. Lazy River Road. Okay, no one ever called that fun, but I did call it a perfect version of a very sweet song. It was very well played. Mm -hmm. Very well sung as well by Jerry. Mm -hmm. uh, me and my uncle was uh, just okay. We we get uh, Bob playing acoustic guitar, I believe, um, in Uncle and Mexicali Blues. Mexicali was a very fast, very fun version. Um, I could see the crowd again in my mind's eye just doing a polka party because it was definitely one of those polka uh, versions of the song. And we go into an excellent road, Jimmy. I wrote excellent emotionality out of Jerry's vocals. The first solo was very good and very heartfelt. Uh, the, I think the second time I just wrote that I listened to it, I just wrote, this is just absolutely beautiful. And I was really liking uh, Vince's flourishes, his little piano flourishes throughout, really added to the mm -hmm. song. 
And the first set ends in The Promised Land, which is a good rocking version. Again, I like the Rhythm Devils uh, putting in an excellent deep pocket. I liked uh, Vince's Boogie Woogie Grand Piano Solo. And that was um, my thoughts on the first set of December 15th, 94. And I'll kick it over to my good friend, Mob. And I'm going to eat more popcorn. Nom, nom, nom. Very good. Very good. I mean, honestly, I agree with pretty much everything that you've said here. Wow. Okay. Game over. I know. I know. Your <laughs> thoughts night. on set one are pretty much my thoughts on set one. Um, yeah, it is an excellent shakedown to start. I wouldn't call it an all-timer or anything, but it is incredibly good. I often find with dead shows, it usually takes them a song or two to get in the groove. Usually by like song three, I'm really into it. This show got me from song one. Um, there's some really nice Phil and Jerry interplay throughout. Um, I love what Vince is adding both with his like MIDI horns. There's this little part that he keeps adding that I really like. Yeah. And he has this these like scoopy harmonies that have surprisingly good energy. Um, the jam is fun. It builds and then it kind of simmers. Oh, I know what you're talking I, about. Scoopy, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that. Evocative, thank you. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Um, I do think the jam does get a little lost before going back in. At first, they simmer on purpose, but then it feels like they don't know where to go and then just go back to Shakedown's chorus. Um, yeah. But it is a very fun, really strong rendition. Uh, Wang Dang Doodles, also a lot of fun. The, the rhythm section adds some great bounce. Vince's organ solo is great. It's just a really tight rendition. Um, I'm also with you. This is a really good Lazy River Road. I still hope this is an interesting episode of the podcast with us agreeing <laughs> all the time. Um, but it is. It's a really solid rendition. Um, I, I like this song, um, but I will admit that it can sometimes deflate the energy. It can suck the air out of a set. Uh, this, however, features a really good tempo, a really good groove, and a lot of contributions from the band, and especially Jerry, to keep it lively and interesting. Me and My Uncle is just alright. It's solid, um, playful, and lively vocals from Bob that really complement the storytelling, but the, the band is a little busy in its underscoring. Everyone is trying to play a cool part, mm. uh, and no one's cool part is really able to shine, which is also how I feel about Mexicali. Um, it's boppy. It's got a really fun energy, and I really do enjoy the verses, like the sung, you know, the composed parts of this song. But when we get to the jam, it does feel a little lost. It's that 90s dead thing where everyone is just playing their own cool part without listening to each other. Um, it's uh, The me and my uncle Mexicali is probably my least favorite part of set one, but I wouldn't call it bad by any stretch. Um, Ro Jimmy, I was a little bored with on first listen, but was wowed by on second listen. Nice. This was a grower Ro Jimmy for me. Isn't that great um, when that happens? Yeah. Like that that's kind of one of the cool parts about the podcast is like you might put on you know, like if you stumbled on a twelve fifteen ninety four and I don't know if I would believe you if you said you did. <laughs> um, I'll call weird. shenanigans. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean some people like it, but like, you know, I wouldn't. Um however, I wouldn't listen to it twice, right? So like sure. yeah, so and, and that's when some of this stuff is really comes out. So go, go yeah. Ahead, yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's what really shines for me. I mean, outside of the handful of words he forgets, Jerry sounds really good on this, both vocally and in his guitar. It is probably the most melodic and emotional solos you get in set one, especially that first solo, which I, I think very highly of. Um, yeah, I, it really took me the second time around, and I... I Long-time or short-time listeners of the pod will know that I'm not a huge Ro Jimmy person, but this one did it for me. Um, and then a really rockin' Promised Land to close out the set. Um, it's not the strongest Jerry solo of the night, but the whole thing is just a lot of fun, and it is a great way to close out an incredibly fun first set. So, game, what did you think? It was all good. Yeah. All of, all of it. Uh, Shakedown Street was awesome. Um, I I really wasn't expecting them to go so hard no. on a December '94 shakedown street. Yeah, it was great. exactly. Yeah, it we was, can't remind the listeners enough that this is a '94 show. Yeah, that's and and maybe if this was a uh, an '89 show, I wouldn't be so excited. But this was good. Uh, shakedown street was excellent. Uh, Wang Dang Doodle was fun. Uh, Lazy River Road, I really enjoyed it. And that is not something I normally enjoy, but this was a good one. Uh, me and my uncle, Mexicali Blues, were good. Ro Jimmy was good, and Promised Land was great. Um, not a bad word to say from me on set one. Excellent from start to finish, um, with Shakedown by far being the highlight. Um, set two kicked off with everyone's favorite foolish heart into a way to go home into Karina into Uncle John's band. Then we got drums and space. Then we got the last time uh, and then set two ended with morning two and our encore was Liberty. Nob, what were your thoughts on set two? So had a good time with set two. Um, I yeah okay. I'll get into it. Um, <laughs> Foolish Heart is a, a fun way to to start set two. Uh, it's a very dreamy jam. Um, in general, there's a really interesting soundscape being presented to us. Bobby gets some some nice squeals. Um, the the jam has a really nice build to it, and it really nails the landing. Um. I am very impressed with the jam in this Foolish Heart. Yeah. Huge on the composed parts. Um, Jerry gets a little lost. He forgets the words. The underscoring can get a little bit busy. And Foolish Heart, in general, is a very delicate balancing act. It's a very good song. It is very easy to play too much on Foolish Heart. Right. Um, this, I found, they were falling into a little too much for me. Um, I will say that Phil is doing some really great work. In general, this is a strong Phil night, um, but this is a, a fun one for him. Um, I, I think I'm coming around on Way to Go Home. I think I like it as a song. <laughs> um, I've, I mean, I've been a long-time Samba in the Rain defender, but I, I'm kind of really vibing with the last few Way to Go Homes I've heard. Maybe I'm just broken, but I'm really coming around on it. This is a really nice... I'm just broken. <laughs> It's just it's We know it you're broken, Nob. <laughs> you're right. I'm I'm now broken in a new and different it, and some well, would say interesting way. Um, uh, your therapist would say Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only fractured and just a little nervous Ooh. from the fall. Aww. Um anyway. 
<laughs> yeah, this is just a nice head bobbing way to go home. Vinny gets really into it vocally. I love the caterwauling on the bridge. The energy is just great. Um, and it honestly leads to one of Jerry's hottest solos of the night. Um, I, I also just really appreciate a 90s dead song that can turn its dynamics on a dime like that. The way the song is able to get loud and then suddenly get quiet in the interest of building anticipation and energy is just mm-hmm. very cool. It's very fun. I love when dead songs sound like that. And this is a really good example of that. I, uh, I didn't expect to go this hard for Way to Go Home when we started listening to this show, or honestly, when we started this recording. Uh, but I stand by <laughs> these well, intense emotions I'm feeling. did you completely change your mind? That uh, is true. Okay, from the yeah. beginning of you know, from the prospect of listening to it to yeah, actually, well, I will. Ad- to okay, it, yeah. yeah, I'll admit that when the vamp started, the the note that I just wrote down was "Hello Darkness, my old friend," but <laughs> but that is now I like whip- it. Is is your neck okay from the whiplash of that? I, reaction? And it literally took me like a minute to go from "Hello Darkness, my old friend" to "All right, maybe <laughs> I like this." Um, yeah, I mean, and that's the cool part. Like, it's almost like getting on the bus, right? It's like, yeah, you know, like we all had preconceived notions about the Grateful Dead, and at some point, we all realized that they're freaking amazing. And you just had a little microcosm of that with Way to Go Home. That's cool. Yeah, congrats. It's yeah. especially I. That's what I find with tonight's show. If you asked, if you showed me this set list and asked me in advance which songs I was going to be most impressed by, I wouldn't say Road Jimmy and Way to Go Home and Wang Dang Doodle. But this is a show where songs that I don't always think the highest of are really shining. Um, um, speaking of songs I don't think the highest of, um, we, we find ourselves <laughs> with Karina. Um, I, I, okay, I, there's something that I really do like about Karina. I enjoy that there's, the, the keys almost have, it's almost tense, the key part. It's very fast and it's very choppy. Um, and it adds this mm-hmm. sense of tension, but the drums are so incredibly fluid and so incredibly dancey. And that disconnect, it almost makes me feel like I'm like, like I'm partying right before something really bad happens. Mm. Um, and in this it, case, it's that's, cinematic, yeah. Yeah. And in this case, that something really bad are the harmonies in the chorus. Um, what do you mean? They, they, they know exactly the note they all need to no. hit. And that Jerry does never, true. never. Jerry never just scoops his part until no. he finds it. No, I refuse to even as sarcasm. I will not accept this. Um, <laughs> no, I reject it's, your it's... sarcasm, sir. <laughs> yeah, be earnest with me and and tell me what you really thought about those chorus harmonies and how <laughs> frequently you thought they knew what note they were supposed to be singing. <laughs> um. It's okay, but this is, I don't want to totally knock the Karina because the jam is a lot stronger. Um, I'm just not huge on this rendition of Karina, especially from the rough harmonies. And the jam does kind of lose me towards the end. Um, Also kind of a rough, at first I was impressed with the transition into Uncle John's band. And then the rest of the band did not follow Jerry for another like 30 seconds. And I found myself a little like, oh, this is not, this transition is not going too hot. Um, but this Uncle John's band is a, is absolutely a grower within the rendition. At first, I was not too impressed with it. It starts off a little hollow. Jerry doesn't quite know the words. 
Um, but it just gets stronger and stronger. The jam is really fun with the way it plays around with the familiar Uncle John's band chords. On occasion in the jam, you will hear the band get out of sync with each other, but then bounce back hard and be incredibly in sync with each other. Um, and that last chorus has such phenomenal energy. That is how I wish the song sounded the whole time, but it does get there in the end, and that's cool. We get to drums. This is the period where we've introduced synths to drums. It gives it like a very 70s prog kind of feel. Um, that's really... it, Especially with the beam in there, it's, it really blurs the line between drum and space. Yeah, I agree um, and with that. This, I, I, I kept checking. Like, I was like, yeah. are we in drums? Are we in space? Are we in drums? Are we in space? Yeah, I don't know when I'd have personally put the cut. It, it's a little... Ar- I mean, it's always going to be a little arbitrary. Um, I usually go with the general rule of thumb that as soon as you start hearing Jerry's guitar, we are now in space. But, um, no, this one definitely blurs that line a little bit. Um, it also, especially with the beam being in there, as, as someone who most of my experience is catching drums live is through Dead and Company, please don't yell at me, I was born in 1999, um, this is a drum space that I am familiar with. This drum space makes sense to me a little is it not even makes sense to me it's just more familiar to me than the drum spaces we hear from late 80s shows yeah exactly this is a drum space that i would watch on tiktok while also watching video of someone playing subway surfer i don't know if anyone who listens to this podcast is my age but that joke is gonna kill um take your word for that yeah Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, and then I, I wasn't huge on this space. I wrote that this is a space that makes me understand Game's point of view. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was kind of 14 minutes of bleeps and bloops. Um, anyway, we then get to the last time, which I thought was very solid. They squeeze some really nice energy out of it. It's another builder song that gets better the more it goes on. But Bob's vocals sound great, and the rhythm section is really bouncy, really lively. And then that takes us into one of my highlights of this evening without question is the morning dew to close the set. Um, It is a very focused rendition. I wouldn't call every song tonight focused, especially the first half of set two. But this dew is so... Everyone is firing on all cylinders. And I don't mean that in that they're overplaying or they're giving it like a lot, uh, you know. But they are laser focused on playing just the right notes every time um jerry sounds great the whole band really helps just tell the story of morning dew through their use of dynamics um even if jerry does mix up the last verse he really brings a lot to this rendition the ending solo is gorgeous there's a little bit of vocalization towards the beginning which makes for a very interesting sound um i really i i liked this do a lot I really enjoyed. Um, This was not... Again, you come into a 94 show, you have your preconceived notions, and I I kind of assumed, especially towards the end of the night, a morning dew might be a little rougher around the edges, but they had it. They brought it. If there is an excellent display of of tonight's show, it is the way that they start strong and the way that they stick the freaking landing. Um, And then a pretty fun liberty to close. So those are my thoughts on set two. Uh, what did you think, Fig? Okay, um, so uh, pretty much in agreement. Um, definitely don't have as many thoughts. 
Um, You're not going to cry about Morning Dew and or Way to yeah. Go Home. <laughs> um, oh, I, I cried enough in the first set. Um, but, you know, happy tears. Foolish Heart, definitely top probably three Grateful Dead songs for me. So I always like it when I mm. hear it on the show. Um, this song was probably less well played than the uh, songs in the first set and less yeah. well sung, to be honest with you. But yeah. I really did get excited about the the long solo and the jam. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the jam in this one, it doesn't, they don't jam out of the song. They kind of have a, you know, a middle, I don't want to say middle eight, but it's a middle portion of the song that, that just kind of swirls and swirls and develops and, and builds and builds and builds until which is. Yeah. Awesome. That's Very and awesome. they nailed that. Tonight. And they nailed it. And, and what, what jumped out to me uh, was, um, it's really, you know, Jerry's, I don't want to say noodling, but, you know, Jerry's just kind of, uh, you know, riffing, and it's really Phil who's pushing it. And, and, and it's not as if it's like a crescendo. It's, there's, there's, it's not like one directional. It's actually, there's push and pull between what Phil's doing and what Jerry's doing, but it does get to a, the eventual dinner, dinner. Like it does get to the, the final crescendo. It, it's a really cool thing to experience. A really cool thing to hear. Um, Another thing that Jerry did to kind of increase the, I don't say dynamics, but increase like the 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 pressure of of that section was he actually changed tone on his pedal. I don't know if you guys caught that, but he actually added mm. some compression and just kind of like just pushed it up a little bit farther, and that was really cool. About midway through that jam, that happened. They nailed the crescendo. Oh, and then Jerry promptly forgets the lyrics of the of the very next verse, but it was in a very adorable way. He was just like. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Like it was like what I would do, or it was like a Peter Griffin moment. Uh, anyway, uh, Foolish Heart was um, um, it was it was really nice, but it, you know it had its warts. Way to go home. I just wrote that I, I was liking Jerry's uh, tone in this one, but I do agree with what Nob said. It was a very good version of that, and and actually well sung by Vince. I'll give Vince some credit there, and it's a good song. Uh, Karina again, y'all know this is not one of my favorites, but I was really enjoying the middle jam here. I like Jerry's uh, creative guitar noises in the beginning. Uh, mm. it, it was almost like he was detuning his guitar. I know he does this on Karina a lot, but this is the first time that I kind of actually thought about what he was doing and why I liked it. And it reminded me, it was almost something like you would hear on uh, Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? Like, just like, mm. just kind of being creative with the guitar in a way that you wouldn't expect. Um, I don't think he was detuning, obviously. He probably had a pedal that was doing it for him, but I think like, yeah, I think Jimmy probably was back in 66, 67. Um, I liked, I guess I liked what Jerry was doing, kind of the the finger picking during the verses. Um, Jerry was doing some really interesting stuff there. We have a meandering outro that barely transitions into Uncle John's yep. band, which was a decent version, uh, some good trippy jamming. Um, but, you know, it's trippy with Vince actually adding some pretty jazzy chords on his uh grand piano sound which was pretty cool uh drums in space i liked the beam i thought that was interesting actually sounded like something off of um this is i, I was i was name drop other bands that i like but uh brian eno another green world mm. if you guys have never listened to another green world it's just um you know it's like a mid-70s uh you know progressive album with brian eno but like uh brian's doing his best through electronic instruments to kind of create soundscapes and create you know worlds that you can visit and then that was the feeling that i was getting off of uh the beam in drums in space uh the interesting thing about space was we had bobby on acoustic 
and he actually was getting pretty trippy, and you don't think of an acoustic guitar as a trippy instrument. But Bobby was actually doing it, which was kind of cool. And I'm uh, very sad to say that I did not actually get around, I didn't realize this until I was looking at my notes, to listening to The Last Time, Morning Dew, or Liberty. So you'll have to rewind, and I'll adopt Knob's uh, uh, impressions of those. And I'll kick it over to my friend Game. Uh, set two kicked off with Foolish Heart. Uh, and I love Foolish Heart. Uh, I don't know if I love 90s versions of Foolish Heart. Um, mm. Just something about it. Not that it was performed bad or anything of the sort. It just doesn't sound like the 80s versions of Foolish Heart. Um, I don't know what the difference is, but... Maybe Vince. It could be. I don't know. Um, You're just such a Brent head. I guess so. Um... <laughs> It's a long, long, long way, way to go home. Way, 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 way to go home. Um, yeah, it's a very good '94 like grunge goat voice you had there. Thank you. Karina was there for me. Uncle John's band was good. Pre-podcast recording, I went onto a rant about um, when does uncle john's band stop and when does drums begin my opinion you could probably take four minutes off of the uncle john's band uh track time on this attacking on the drums and everybody would be happy um so they tricked me and got me way deeper into drums than i normally would go Uh, y'all missed an all-timer rant in the (laughs) pre-show that was good We'll release that on like a, I don't know, maybe the hundredth episode, which is coming Blooper, up. Yeah, bloopers. Blooper real. Real. Yeah. Uh, space. I skipped once. I was mad that I was already listening to drums. <laughs> um, the last time, yeah. Uh, Morning Dew was good. Uh, and Liberty, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Not not. Was not, Liberty good not. Or, or not good? Can can we get? Cause I didn't listen to it. I, I like Liberty. Yeah, Liberty's fine. It's good. It wasn't a highlight of the set by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a solid rendition. Find your own way home. Find your own way home. And it is a long, 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 long way. Oh, a little home theme there, yeah. Oh, do you think they ever encored with that? No, right? They can't have. I would be crazy. People would riot. That's, I, like... That's like encoring with Jones Space or something. Yeah. No. They're professionals. It's true. It just references going home, and they love to save those kinds of songs for the end, like Liberty, which I I like. Okay, I like is a song. It shouldn't. It's not an encore. No. Uh, It's a really fun set one song. Yes. I I, I dig it as an encore. Like, I, I get it. It's, you know, it's just like a little, little after dinner mint. Yeah, all right. I'll give you that. Alex I'll give you that. Man. Especially after do you kind of want an after right. you, you sober can't. up, go home. God yeah, bless. yeah. You're not mentally handling a, a broke down palace right now. I will never forget leaving Philly. Twenty yeah. twenty twenty one. Was that the one with the do? The one with the do. Yeah. And and I left Philly and I bumped into uh, Holy Moly Mischief. 
Nice. And he just had the most spun out walk look on his face. And he was just like, that do. <laughs> yeah. I, I still rant about that too. And I was like, yeah, it was pretty heavy. It was pretty heavy. Um, also, and I know this isn't the point of anything, quite a good sugary from that show that doesn't get talked about as much. Gets overshadowed show, by an excellent do. whole show was good. It was a good one. Uh, we do not have a Scarlet to rate. However, we can rate the studio Fire on the Mountain because we actually listened to that today. Um, and I forget even how we rate Scarlet Fires because it's been so long since we did this. Uh, it's out of 10. Is it out of 10? It is out of 10. I enjoy the studio Fire on the Mountain. Is it a 10? No. No. Is it as good? Is it as good as Mickey Hart rapping Fire on the Mountain? <laughs> no. Uh, is it still pretty great? Yes. So studio version of Fire on the Mountain, I'm going to give a seven. Wow. Seven. Knob Fig, thoughts on the studio version of Fire on the Mountain? Yeah, I'd say right around there. I was thinking of yeah. six. It's a solid rendition, but it's also only three or four minutes long, so it's hard to call it like a great Fire on the Mountain, but it's good. It's, you know, for a studio rendition of a Grateful Dead song, it's uh, an incredibly strong recording, but uh, it's never going to be the first Fire on the Mountain I go to listen to if I'm in the mood to like really hear the dead play Fire on the Mountain. I don't know if it would even scratch the itch of a Fire in the Mountain, right? Like, it's like, no. I don't know if, like... If no, if you know, if you were coming at someone who never had never heard of Fire in the Mountain, I wouldn't be like, "Hey, check this version out," and it's the studio version. Uh, it's very, you know, you know, very laid back, very kind of island yacht rock. I would say it's yacht rock. Sure, mm. we'll, we'll we'll raise that specter again. Wow, wow. Um, but I need to it's start the, going. It's, it's that solo. It's that Jerry solo. It's just. It's just. It, that brings it up from a five to a six for me. It's just very hasty. Like it's just like just the way he holds the notes. I love the tone, the sustain. Uh, just mm, chef's kiss on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's better to have playing like this. Feels like Grateful Dead made for classic rock radio. Like yeah. this feels like something you just have in a playlist of songs that you just put on shuffle. You know. Yeah, your yacht rock playlist. I need to check. I am a, uh, I am a lover of one yacht rock, and I follow <laughs> a few yacht rock playlists on uh, said service that we shall not mention. <laughs> and uh, I need to check if uh, mentioned we shall notify. Yes, and nice. uh, I need to check if Shakedown Street is a part of those playlists. I don't think they. Are. I don't think I doubt it. You mean no, the, the only songs I don't Fire think that would be uh, no, I don't think Fire on the Mountain would be. If any song has the reputation of being yacht rock, it is France. Where all the ladies dance. <laughs> I don't think anybody's thinking of France in any playlist in twenty twenty. No, 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 no. And that's exactly why. That's I don't I don't think you're gonna find a dead tune in a, a yacht rock playlist unless we're stretching the definition of yacht rock. The good lovin' off the studio album mm. would be would be a yacht rock. Jam, I could see that. Especially you know what? the the. It the is bonus interesting version. that this album has the the 
reputation of being disco dead when only a handful of songs i would say in any way shape or form resemble disco to me well they did it so well just shakedown street and then elements but like it's it's a it's a it's a shakedown is so disco though it's very it's it's resoundingly disco like like (laughs) like they did it well like 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 whatever disco was you know in the, in the mid 70s it really vibed with you know to use a 2023 term uh the grateful dead like you know like, yeah it was it was that beat it was that it was that rhythm it's, um that's exactly it's i mean this is something that the dead themselves have talked about and i get on the soapbox all the freaking time um but the grateful dead music at the end of the day is dance music you know, it's fun to dissect it. It is fun to listen to. It is fun to be impressed by. But you're meant to dance to it. That's yeah, the way I agree. shows dance are set in the up. Streets. Yeah, exactly. Time after time, these that's they were what this a party music band. is about at the end of the day. Because even were, jazz started off. Band. Exactly, jazz is dance music, and the extended solos came from people wanting to dance for longer. And the Dead use it in a fairly similar way here. And so disco is such a natural evolution for them because they are so interested in dance. They are so interested in groove. And that right. was the big dance, the big groove of the time. Um, I just, yeah, they really nail it I on Shakedown it. Street. And I think the song, that song being the title song, gives the whole album that, that disco reputation. I have nothing against disco for the record. Like I think no, disco is a bad rap. Disco. Yeah. Um, I, I think like, you know, I think there's a backlash and, and, and that's a product of the backlash. Uh, but you know, that backlash happened, you know, you might not believe it, but the ha- backlash happened even before my time. And I just what? don't care for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking wow. of being pro, is anybody pro this show? Meaning has it made <laughs> your book of the dead? Um, I will kick off the voting here, and as much as I loved set one, set two didn't do it for me. So that was a big negatory for me. Uh, Nabra Fig, has this show made your Book of the Dead? Something. This was another excellent 94 show, which I never thought I would be saying uh, yeah. you know, with a straight face. Um, but, you know, last week's was an excellent 94 show. Was that just last week? Or was it two weeks ago? Um, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, so two weeks was an excellent 94 show, and I believe I made that part of my Book of the Dead. You so, did. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, continue that. I don't think I could live with myself. Um, but excellent um, show. Excellent show. Yeah, I, I would struggle to call this a, a Book of the Dead pick by any stretch of the imagination, but I would put it in my Book of 94 shows. I do think uh, I think it only has like a two-something star rating on the really? archive. And that is too low. It it deserves to be ranked rated higher than it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't I wouldn't put this in the book of the dead by any stretch. It it wonders me how often those rankings get updated on the arc. That is true. Uh, it's I just noticeably like... when you look at all the shows from that run, most of them are like low threes, and this one is like a two point something. Which, yeah. you know, the ratings don't matter at the end of the day, yeah. but when you're, like, glancing through the because... apps and looking for a show, you, right, you're, gonna, right. you're choosing between two shows. You're going to go for the four-star over the two-star. And that perpetuates the, you know, meme, I guess you could say, yeah. of 94 being bad. Yeah. And I think, this... you know, we've, we've had our bad 94 shows. I'm not going to, like, yes. you know, say that. However, 
It's not it's not a two. That's very unfair. This is a great show. And I'm glad I that agree. we can pick a set for the for our lovely audience. It's gonna be set one, right? That yeah, gets one. my vote, yeah. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to not to really deflate the energy that we had in that segment, but uh, that's the right answer. Set two uh, has a lot of good in it, um, but set one is consistently strong. Who would be your mother trucker of this show? Uh, either of you fine folks may answer at any time. I, I think it's Vince. Um, I do, and Prince it's not Vince? just because I do. I think it's Prince Gang Vince. Vinny. Yeah, Gang Vinny. Oh, someone not... had a Gang Vinny comment. Oh, I, I got to put that in there. Hold on. Yeah, that's I'm, on. I... That's for next week's show. Where the Gang oh, Vinny people gosh. are. I know. Yeah, you've we've nice, spoiled nice. what next week, what year <laughs> next week's show comes from. Um, it's ninety four. <laughs> but yeah, it's to me. This is a Vince show. I, I, historically, this this tape that we listened to that, that at least game and I listened to um, was made for Vince by Dick Litvala. Um, and we don't know, you know, someone touches on this in one of their comments. We don't know exactly why this tape was made for Vince, but this is an incredibly strong Vince show. His vocals are really tight uh, and his keyboard contributions consistently raise the songs that they're a part of. Yeah. This is a Vince night for me. I'm going to agree. Um, I'm not the biggest Vince fan in the world. However, um, I enjoyed him more tonight than I can think of any other time. So, yes, Prince Vince gets my vote. Oh, let's, let's make it a trifecta for the Prince oh, Vince. Oh, yeah, I'm, right. I'm not going to rock the boat. I do have a lot of Vince, uh, a lot of VWs on my uh, little note sheet here. So, um, yeah. also, shout out. Prince. Jerry also yeah. has a really strong night for 94, yeah. and Phil is very on all night. Um, yep. Just to shout out some other members of the band, but this is a Vince night. All right, to our Reddit comments, we have two this week, and I will take the first one from, of course, Reddit user Cabonius. <laughs> uh, Cabonius says, ah, 1994. They were touring far and wide that year. 85 dates. You've got to go back to 87 or 81 to find busier years wow. for Grateful Dead touring. Mm. Very interesting. December 94 feels like a nod to both reality and comfort. Two stands of four shows each, first at Oakland and then at the LA Sports Arena, meaning the band and crew didn't have to travel too far from home to earn a decent take. And like 92 and 93, there were no New Year's Eve shows. So after this short California tour, they could head home for the holidays. Cabonius was finishing up college, and their last final was on the 15th. So they drove down to L.A. afterward. They were thinking about hitting up the sports arena parking lot. But something made me decide not to be a ticket ticketless horde. Besides... I had mail-order tickets for the 16th and 18th. My memory of those shows is they were unexceptional, but solid. At least for 94. I've never heard the show from the 15th. Time to take a listen. Thank you, I don't... Cabonius. Yeah, and I don't think Cabonius uh, 
actually uh, gave us uh, the reaction, but uh, Kabonius, if you're out there, we would love to hear about it. And then who would like to take Duckman's 427's comment? Um, I'm eating popcorn, so I'm going to give it over to Nob. <laughs> ah, well, I'm also eating popcorn, but I'll, I'll do it. I'm brave. Um, popcorn meme. <laughs> this, one, this one comes from Duckman427. Another 94 show. They're saying what we're all thinking. Um, it's a pretty solid performance for a show around that time, in their opinion. Jerry's vocals sound a bit weak here and there, but the rest of the band sound good. I really dug the drum space section of this show. Something about those effects they used in the late 80s to 95 I really enjoy. The notes for the Miller soundboard say that it came from tapes made for Vince Welnick by Dick Latvala, the, Dick, the Dead's then archivist. I've seen this note pop up on other soundboards on the archive from Vince's years in the band. It doesn't state if the tapes were made while the dead were still touring, after Jerry's death, or a mix of both possibilities. I wonder when, where, and why he'd listen to them. Recreational, as a, a reference for practicing, or just to have some shows from his time in the band on tape. It makes me wonder what Vince thought of the shows when he'd listen to them. He must have liked them enough if he personally selected the shows. I could see it being like an NFL quarterback watching tape. You know, yeah. it makes sense. Do you want to know what you did right, what you did wrong? And, and, and especially you know, with Vince, Vince being relatively the new, the new guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could see him being very studious over the recordings. I could also just see this being a show he was proud of his own contributions because, I mean, we all... Not a lot of, not a lot of caterwauling. No, 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 no. Vocally, he's he's really <laughs> in the pocket, and he's uh, he's adding a lot of nice stuff on the keys. That I this would be a, a tape I could see him listening to and going, "That's a good night for me." Next week, we once again get to hop into the way back machine, put on our cool sunglasses. OJ Simpson at this point is still a good person. And we are June 8th, 1994, once again in the wild and wonderful world of California, this time at the Cal Expo Amphitheater in Sacramento, um, taking a quick look at the set list. It looks like this was a Rex Foundation benefit. Um, Half Step, Walking Blues, nothing that upsets me so far with this set list. No. Stagger um, Lee's in there. I'm a big Stagger Lee fan. IEFT, I fought the law. Never mind. I, I fought the my, law. <laughs> answer my own question. Um, last this one big... is. Oh, I was going to say the this one is historically interesting because it's the, the first Samba in the Rain. And um, the last big railroad, right? Uh, that... I think it was the last one. I think it's the final, but I think it was the first one in a while. It was a pretty big bust out after a couple of years, uh, but I yes. do think they oh, played cool. it. Oh, I love Big Railroad Blues, yeah. You're, you're right, because it says here 623.92, so yeah, yeah it looks like, yeah, it looks like two tricky. years. That's like two yeah. years for Big Railroad. Yeah. Also, just looking at it, it is bizarre to me that they debut Samba in the Rain out of drum space. I just want to oh. acknowledge that before we listen to it, because that is bizarre to read as words, and I'm very excited to listen as music. Hmm. I wonder 
So this is, and I know we're we're wrapping up here. So this will be my, maybe my final point of the evening. But obviously, 1994, The Grateful Dead is an established band, right? Yeah, with yeah. fans and massive touring and the yeah. whole nine yards, stadiums, How, and- right? How would it be like you're in the you're in the crowd, and all of a sudden it's like they start playing oh. something that you don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And it's like not only do you not know it, no one knows it because it is brand new. Like I like that always interests me thinking about like you know like oh like like the first like live shakedown or whatever, right? But this is like this is ninety four. This isn't a right. band They're that's still, like that's still producing. Like, Right. This isn't a band that's coming out with like new album full of new content every year or whatever. Like no. But now now imagine that you know, that's your claim to fame. Like, yeah, I saw the Grateful Dead do a bust out of a brand new song. Oh grandpa, what song was it? Uh, it's not a it's not important <laughs> son. <laughs> Go to sleep. Did you hear them do the first ever live terrapin? No, I heard the new samba. Um Let's get down and dirty, he said, and we all just kind of grimaced and shuddered. <laughs> Robert Hunter wrote those lyrics. Oh, stop. Poor, you know, even the best have some duds in them every now and then. Uh, sorry, sorry, Robert. Um, let's go ahead and do our bookkeeping for the evening so we can get you fine folks to set number one of 121594. Uh, as always, please go ahead and smash that subscribe button and like and share with any and all of your Grateful Dead loving friends and family. As always, you may find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded. However, if you happen to use a service to view your Yacht Rock playlists, and the service happens to rhyme with rocking on your Yotify, you will not find us on that podcast platform. So once again, we will not be found on the rocking on your Yotify <laughs> podcast platform. However, you will find us on pretty much any and all major podcast platforms. Uh, if you do like to get your podcast the old-fashioned way, please do so at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. If you would like to communicate with us via electronic mail, please do so. Like Tom Hanks sending one to mail to Meg Ryan in that silly movie from back in the day. Do that to helponthewaypod at gmail.com. If you would like to communicate with us on Reddit, please stop by the Help on the Way thread at reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead. And we do uh, live on YouTube, youtube.com slash at symbol help on the way pod. Any parting words from my friends, Knob and or Fig? Yes, I would like to clarify on behalf of all of us here at... Uh... At help on the way pod that uh fig is not in fact 45 um i believe him to be 43 i can neither confirm nor deny my age <laughs> and on that note we thank you once again for listening to the help on the way podcast <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
move it back just a little bit. 